Well, welcome back to the Art of Relationships podcast. Uh, Tim, we've been uh, talking with different guests at times, and we have uh, Dave Wilson from uh, back in Detroit area, a uh, friend of yours. and Yeah, love Dave. Uh, Dave and Ann Wilson are good friends. They've been speaking with Family Life for a long time, dedicated couple, uh, co-founders of Kensington Church. Uh, outside of Detroit, a 14,000 person church on multi campuses. It's just amazing what the Wilsons have accomplished. Uh, they've shared a lot about their marriage in a wonderful book called Vertical Marriage, The One Secret That Will Change Your Marriage. And Dave's going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, let me just mention one thing. Uh, we got a chance as a CMR to come out there, Dave. As you know, we partnered with Chris Brooks uh, and did a, a what we call a Neighbor Love Initiative conference where we go to uh, you know, communities that maybe can't afford to go to a family life conference and give away our conference virtually for free. Chris Brooks is wonderful. That was a huge contact from you in Kensington Church. And thank you for setting us in the right direction with Chris. Uh, what a great event that was. And you might be interested to know, Dave, we're now doing that in Los Angeles with a group called OC United. We're setting up these marriage conferences and and it's just a great way to get the word out. And uh, we know you and Anne are absolutely dedicated to doing that. So you wrote a great book, Vertical Marriage, uh, The One Secret That Will Change Your Marriage. But in it, you tell the story. And I've heard this story before, but it is just an interesting story of, of how two people can be in the same marriage, yet view the marriage in radically different ways. So I was wondering if you could tell the story about you and Anne. It was an anniversary, wasn't it? Yeah, it was our 10th year anniversary, and um, I honestly thought we were doing fabulous. Uh, scale 1 to 10, I would have told you my marriage is a 10, if not a 10, <laughs> 9.8, guaranteed. <laughs> and I actually thought, and I could almost guarantee she agrees, she'd say the same thing. So we go out on this date. Uh, it's a long story. It's the first two chapters of the book, so I won't give you all the details. But bottom line is I thought... I was giving her the greatest date of her life. I had 10 roses delivered to the table one at a time at this really, really, by the way, upscale, nice restaurant. I'm not a, I don't spend a lot of money on food. So I was going <laughs> big time, you know, for my wife and the waiter would bring over one rose and we'd talk about year one and then he'd bring over the second rose, talk about year two. So, you know, wow. it was romantic. We were talking, you know, how women love to talk. And so- it was perfect. I thought, and it, it really was. And we got through the 10th year and then we're driving home and I had one more surprise. And that was, I pulled into the parking lot of this middle school where we were about to start Kensington. We hadn't started Kensington yet, but we had been meeting as a core team. Most of that was without Ann because she was pregnant with our third son. And so I was at all these meetings and I wanted to show her, this is where in a few months we're going to start our first service at our new church. And I said, let's, let's just park, pull in the parking lot. It's about midnight. Let's, let's pray and ask God to do a miracle and build a great church out of this school. And then I thought, let's park. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm hoping you and your listeners know what parking means. Uh, yes. I, I, I envisioned us in the back seat and just a few minutes steaming up the, the car. By the way, this is a Honda Accord, so it's a little tight, right? <laughs> so anyway... You know, I don't remember praying, actually. We probably prayed for three seconds. And then I, I, I turned to kiss her to make my move, you know, and she turns her head away. And so I thought she didn't realize I was trying to kiss her. So I try again. And for, with no doubt, she turns away and doesn't want to kiss me. 
So I do what every guy does at that moment. You ask the question, right? Is anything wrong? And thinking that she just really, there's nothing wrong. She just didn't want to kiss me at that moment, but would want to kiss me. Well, when I asked her, is anything wrong? She said, no, nothing's wrong. And I said, well, I tried to kiss you twice, but it seems like you don't want to kiss me. Are you sure nothing's wrong? And then she goes, well, there is something wrong. And I said, well, what's wrong? And she said, well, to be honest, I've lost my feelings for you. Mm. And it was, I mean, I honestly, I had no idea. I was looking at her like, what in the world? What? And I knew in that moment, because the way she said it, it was pretty serious. I knew I needed to listen. So I just said, well, what, do you, what do you mean you've lost my feelings, your feelings for me? And she started to talk about my schedule. I'm gone all the time trying to start this church. I'm on the road with the lions leading Bible studies. I mean, I had like four or five different sort of jobs going. You're gone. I've got two little boys at home. I'm exhausted. Uh, she really walked through. I, I, I was bitter and then resentful and now I'm just, I'm numb. And I, I gotta be honest, as she's saying that my sort of pattern, when we get in a fight, if I couldn't leave, I would then prove her wrong. So I literally <laughs> started to reach into the backseat of our car where I had my day planner back then. It was a, you know, a little notebook that had my calendar and I was going to pull it out and open it up and prove her that I wasn't gone as much as she was saying I was. <laughs> Some listeners might be saying, but why not do that? I mean, why isn't, how is that not a good argument? And the fact that your wife made a claim and you yeah. are absolutely convinced she's wrong. Why not? Because you know how many times you wish a, a conversation between you and your spouse was recorded? Yeah. Right. So you can go back and replay the conversation and said, you absolutely said this and I did not. So what would have been wrong with you doing that? Grabbing your daytime and saying, Ann, I'm sorry, but look, I was here this night. I was here, here. What would have been wrong with that? Well, as I, as I think back on that night, the thing that would have been wrong for us in that situation is I would have never really heard what she was saying. Because mm. the more she talked, the more I realized this isn't even about my calendar. Even though that's where I was going to go and it would have taken us down a rabbit trail, it was about her feeling loved and cherished. Um, mm. but I, you know, I would have missed it. There are other times where, yeah, there are facts that we need to get on the table and say, well, actually this is, and then deal with that. But in that situation that night, oh my gosh, I was not really hearing what she was saying. So the good thing is when I grabbed or reached back to grab my day planner, I heard the voice of God and mm. it wasn't like an audible you know, the dome light in our car didn't flicker. It was no weird <laughs> thing at all. It was simply the Holy Spirit of God who lives in me, lives in Ann. Just a, a, just a gentle whisper. And it wasn't gentle, though. It was shut up. Don't say a word. Listen. And so Ann didn't even know I was reaching for my day planner. I just pulled my arm back <laughs> between the seats and I put it on my lap and I looked her right in the eye and I did not say a word. I just let her talk. And as I listened for probably five or six, seven minutes, she walked through what she was feeling. I was like, oh my gosh, she is not feeling loved by me. And then I heard one other word from God and it was very clear. It was one word, repent. Wow. Repent. And it's interesting, you know, when God speaks to you, I knew, I knew in that moment what repent meant. It wasn't, you know, you're in moral sin, you're, 
you're unfaithful. I was doing none of that. Repent. In one word, I knew exactly what God meant. He, he meant this. You're lukewarm. You know you're luke, lukewarm. And you just, you're just realizing right now, your walk with me is impacting this marriage. Mm. You need to be right with me. You need to get back to your first love. And when that happens, this thing can work. But until that happens, you're just going to sit here and nothing's ever going to go where it needs to go. So, Dave, it sounds like that formula then it, it has probably helped in many ways. And I imagine the listeners would, would love that. And the formula, what I'm hearing goes like this. First thing we probably, many of us need to work on is the ability to just to listen. But it sounds like beyond that, then the next step is something even more important. It, it's it's hearing, uh, understanding what they're saying, and then what would you say next? Taking responsibility. You did something different there. The Spirit led you to not just listen, to not just hear, Anne, but to do more than that. What was that that you feel like is the most important thing or the next thing that you did besides shutting up? Well, I've, I learned that night, and again, I'm not sitting here saying I'm perfect at it, but I learned that night to always have one ear to heaven, one ear to earth. It's like one ear listening to what's happening horizontally and another ear like just tuned in like, God, are you speaking? Are you leading me in any direction? Uh, one of the probably the, one of the best lessons I've learned in marriage, which we do a whole section in the book on resolving conflict is I would so often when Anne would express what she's feeling, I would attack back saying she's wrong to be feeling that way. <laughs> and I, I mean, I look back now and I, I chuckle because I'm like, oh my gosh, how could I be so naive to think her feelings weren't, weren't valid, weren't valid. I would say, no, you shouldn't feel that way. I do love you. And she's like, I don't feel like you love me. And now I realize whatever she's feeling, whatever your spouse is stating is their reality. You've got to deal with that. You know, not what they should or shouldn't be. It's like, oh my gosh, she thinks I don't love her. I do love her. So I would have, I, you know, other times I would have yelled at her and said, I do love you. You should know that. And she's like, but I don't. And now it's like, oh my gosh, she doesn't feel love. Guess what? My bad. I've got to, I've got to own that and make changes. So she does feel love rather than tell her she should feel what I think she should feel. So that night, you know, I didn't, I did not respond at all, except to say, before we can talk this through, I need to do something. I didn't even tell her what I just thought it's, this isn't about you. This is about me. This is me repenting. And then once that's putting God in the right place, number one, then I can deal with number two. Number two is your spouse. Um, so I, I honestly thought this is, have, doesn't really have a lot to do with you, Ann. This is me getting right with God. So I said, I'm just going to pray and I want to pray on my knees. And again, I don't always pray on my knees, but I just felt like my, my posture needed to be one of full submission. So I don't know to this day how I did it, but I turned around in the front seat of a Honda Accord, <laughs> got on my knees and the steering wheel was in my back and my elbows were on the driver's seat. And I just prayed out loud and I just said, God, I confess my lukewarmness. I'm, I'm so busy. I haven't met with you in months. I'm running from this to that. I am lukewarm. I used to hate lukewarm Christians. I used to say I would never be one. And here I am. And you need to be my first love and you need to be number one. So I place you back and control my life and help me to be the husband and father I need to be. And I said, amen. And I didn't know this, but she starts praying and I look over and she's on her knees in the front seat mm. of the passenger mm. seat. And 
if she was here, she would tell you this because I've heard her say it many times. She said, when I heard my husband Dave praying, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm trying to find my life from him. If he would just get his act together and be the man and the husband and dad that I deserve, I'd be happy. And when when she she would say, when she saw me pray, she realized I've made Dave my God and Dave can never give me what my God's supposed to give me. So she repented too. Well, let me ask this, Dave. Yeah, let me ask this. Um, And I've said this to Chris many times. I cannot be your God, Chris. (laughs) I just can't. I'm a fellow podcast host. We teach together, but I can't. And I that. usually hear him pretty clearly at that point because <laughs> it's reality. That I hear Chris agrees <laughs> strongly. <laughs> hey, but let me say this. So this is a criticism that, and I'm sure you've heard this speaking with family life, is uh, people will say this to me, listening to your story, they'll say, okay, if I was married to uh, a person like Anne, a sensitive woman who also repents right in the middle of this disagreement, if I was married to a guy like Dave, who doesn't get defensive, but goes on his knees and prays, well, guess what? Our marriage would be great. But I'm not married to that kind of person. I'm married to a person who doesn't ever hear from God, who doesn't make time for God. And when I do bring things up, I get hit with, well, you do this, you do this. So what would you say to the couple that's listening to this saying, listen, I'd take your marriage any day of the week, but I'm stuck in the marriage with very little hope, very little evidence that my spouse uh, cares about God. What kind of hope can we give couples that are are not in the kind of situation you are with Anne of two people who love each other, maybe too busy, but you also are making room for God? First of all, I'd say great question. Chris can answer that for you. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that is that's a hard one. That is a hard one, and that's probably a majority of marriages. I'm guessing. I mean most marriages aren't married to an amazing man like me, you know, I mean, <laughs> only one woman gets that. <laughs> I was kidding. And, I, and I'd love to hear your perspective, but my first thought would be the only person you can control is you. And so mm. the only thing you really can do is, and, it, and it's where vertical marriage really does help. It's like, wow, I, I'm not going to find what I'm looking for from horizontally from my spouse. And even if they were a great spouse, I'm still going to be let down, but especially if they're responding poorly or yelling back at me or being defensive. So the only thing I I could say to anybody is, man, you've got to go vertical. You've got to find life yourself alone from Jesus. You can't change your spouse. All you can really do for your spouse is hand them to God and say, God, can you, will you change them? And Again, you can't, and they're going to make their own decisions and they're going to decide if they're going to connect with God or not. And it's out of your control. And the only way you're going to find peace is say, okay, I have to find my life. I have to find my joy, my happiness, my peace from my relationship with my heavenly father. And I'm going to go there and and find life there. And then I'm going to come back to my spouse and try to serve and love, even though I get nothing back. It's a selfless giveaway of your life. And it's really hard. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that, Dave, is remember Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for this yeah. day. Yeah. I, I think some couples get really discouraged when they think, you know, this is going to be week after week, month after month. I'm going to have to be self-sacrificial. I'm getting nothing out of this marriage. Mm-hmm. But, but to, to go, I love what you're saying. Go to, to Jesus and, and Jesus, fill me with grace for today. And, and maybe even break the day up into two parts, three parts to say, Lord, give me strength this morning to be 
yeah. to be grace filled and to and to love this person. I I think that's the only way to tackle it and to trust the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? You just said you were crazy busy, you hadn't been spending time with the Lord, but still that voice got through to you in the precise moment that God needed to get your attention. I think we can use the loving our loving actions as a conduit that God can speak to our spouse. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do too, Tim. And I, and I think what I would add to this is um, just recognize, I think, Dave, as you mentioned, that the power of prayer, mm. um, what it means, and and then even some specific, I, I would give a person like that, if they were to ask for advice, I'd give them a couple of specific things. I'd begin to say, pray specifically, pray for this person that you are married to, that they would begin to see and recognize uh, God's presence, uh, that they would, their hearts would be opened, their eyes would become more sensitive and ears would be able to hear the, the whisper of God. I would also begin to pray specifically if I, if I had a spouse like that for them to begin to find somebody in their lives that would yeah. speak truth to them, that they would, yeah. that they would be involved in things, um, that might bring somebody into their lives. And, and, you know, there's even just that idea too, a, a third thing I would say is to begin to find that in your spouse that that is um, a positive, that is good, right? I mean, no doubt they probably work hard and, and they come home and and they're there and then and, and you could you know begin to thank them and encourage them for the little things because they actually may have a pretty vibrant connection with God, but you can pull that out by being real, you know, encouraging uh, and recognizing, you know, every single time we have, you know, a meal together, you pray. And, and I just want to thank you for that. And so, right. I mean, that, those are some other ways that some people may be able to get get through tough days like that. Yeah, I, I think that last point is so good. Ann and I are doing a date night uh, Saturday night at our church where couples go out on a date and then come and we're going to talk for an hour. That's what we're talking about, that affirmation, encouragement is a magnet. Yeah. When you encourage anybody, they are yeah. drawn to that. One one other thing I would add, I, I'm sure you guys agree, is, and it, it sounds crazy to some people, but when you're in despair, when you see no hope, beg God for a miracle. Mm. Ask him for a miracle. Now, I don't know what he's going to do. We don't know it. You can't, you know, it's, it's not name it, claim it, but yet you, you, why not ask, ask for a miracle. One of my best friends, uh, John has been in my men's group with, uh, seven of us for, for almost 20 years. We've raised wow. our kids together, just a really neat group of guys that we hold each other accountable. And they're, they're my, they're my partners in life about eight or nine years ago we discovered he told us he caught his wife in an affair. Mm. I mean, it was a bomb. Betsy's in Ann's small group. We're doing, it's just, she's been living alive for a while. Ann and I rush over to their house after he caught her. She confessed. Can they make it? We spent the night trying to help them. I got in the car uh, in the, on the way home. And I can't believe I said this out loud, but I looked at Ann and I said, even God can't save this marriage. Mm-hmm. I should never ever say like anything like that out loud. I just had, it's done. There's no chance. It's, it's impossible, not going to happen. And I would tell you today, and obviously a lot of work, a lot of things happen. They made it. They are in a place they never were. It's just amazing. They have five, five sons. Uh, it's an incredible journey. Again, the struggles aren't complete. You know, it's just like, wow, I didn't think God could do a miracle. God did a miracle. 
You know, he That's really great. did. And it's just, it's just, you know, every once in a while you need to hear a story like that, like, hang on, hang on. Hang on, yeah, Jesus. That's right. Jesus showed up and he, he did a miracle. That's great. Hey, in your book, uh, why don't you work us through some of the chapters? What different kind of topics do you guys cover and, and uh, why is it situated in the book like it is? Well, we uh, basically cover four sections. The first section is what does vertical really look like in a marriage? So it's one thing to say, you know, go vertical and find life in Christ. How do you do that? So we try to try to answer that in the first sort of three or four chapters, uh, you know, in that section. And then we move into what you guys know and everybody maybe should know the number one factor that determines whether your marriage will go the distance or not. Uh, John Gottman, I'm sure you're familiar with his, his work on conflict and how you resolve conflict. So we basically spend the middle section of the book saying, okay, how do you resolve conflict? Because everybody, including us, knows how to have conflict. Very few know how to actually resolve it. So we try to work through, and I know you guys have written on these things as well. So we just try to work through how to manage. One of the things I struggled with, oh, 10, 10 through 15 years into my marriage was anger. And I never understood where anger came from and why I was angry and how that expressed itself in our marriage and toward my boys. So I had to go on a journey to get uh, to really get a grip uh, on what I call the shapes of wrath. That's ch the chapter title and understand where that got for and, and, and it came from. And a lot of that ended up with me understanding forgiveness, especially with my father, my dad. And so we worked through that in that section. Then we have a whole section on sex, just, uh, mm. you know, an area that so many couples are confused about and need a uh, God's perspective on and also need the freedom to say, we, sh we can enjoy this part of our marriage and it could be a, an exciting uh, part of our marriage as well as it's been a struggle in our marriage. So we were very honest about that as well. And then the last section is just really on legacy and how to, uh, you know, leave a legacy that's uh, literally life-changing. Cause I'm a guy who came from a really bad legacy, alcohol, adultery, and had to say, I'm, I'm changing it. It starts, the legacy stops here. New legacy starts with the Wilson name. And so that's been something that's been like a foundation for our marriage. And that's a key part of the uh, family life conferences as well is, yep. listen, you might have come from a hard background and it's absolutely affected you, no doubt, spiritually, emotionally, physically. But you can, with the help of a good community, you really can put a stake in the ground and say, listen, I'm going to change the legacy. It's got to change. And it's going to start with me and my spouse and how we parent, how we do our marriage. I think that's a great word of hope for people as they listen who come from hard backgrounds. Yeah, exactly. You can do it. It's really, I would have said that could never change in our family. And again, I'm not saying we have a perfect legacy, but when I look at what God's done, it's a miracle. It really is. It's really, really powerful to see what he's done and is doing in this legacy. <laughs> Well, let me give a personal shout out. Uh, having um, been with Dave and Ann Wilson with Family Life Marriage Conferences, it's just great to meet a couple who isn't perfect, but really does try to walk the walk. And I really admire the relationship you have with Ann and how uh, you've done great things and used your marriage to its fullest potential. I think that really speaks highly of you guys. This sounds like a great book. Can't wait to read it, especially the sex section. Um, I got my highlighter already out. <laughs> your wife read that one. Dave Wilson said, honey, that you should read this. Yeah. He, he literally yeah. said on air. Hey, I think we have one last question for you, Dave. Yeah, Dave, just as you're thinking through, um, 
the this impact and and as you speak and go around, you've raised children yourself. Uh, for our young listeners out there, maybe they're single and maybe they're just starting a relationship. What advice would you give them um, right now at this end of it to uh, help them uh, down the road when that day may come that they find themselves blessed in a marriage relationship? What can what, what advice would you give to that single person or that college student today that is beginning to navigate these kinds of things and wants to do the best they can in preparation for one day um, being in a marriage and a situation like that? Uh, probably the first thing I think of is, I don't know why this came to my mind, but don't settle. Don't settle for anything better, less than God's best for you. I mm-hmm. dated a girl for four years from my junior year in high school to my junior year in college, was convinced I was going to marry her. I came to Christ uh, sort of in the middle of that relationship, started growing tried to lead her, you know, grow her. She never seemed to have the same passion for Jesus that I did. And I was about to marry her thinking, you know, one day after we're married, she'll be where I am spiritually and I'll, I'll bring her along. And, you know, it was sort of tragic. I ended up uh, surprising her. She was at another university and I went to, went to visit her and I sort of just sort of walked in her dorm room and I caught her with another guy and yeah. knew that, in that moment I found out she was living a lie and it was really, as I look back, I'm so glad that happened. I was crushed. I thought my life was, you know, she was the one and I was going to marry her. Um, it's a long story, but I met Anne about, uh, three days later. You're kidding. Three <laughs> days later. It's really unbelievable. I mean, I knew her from her family. Her dad was a baseball coach for me, but she was, a, you know, I, I didn't know really her. And it's one of those miracle stories and we didn't start dating right away, but, Obviously, over time we did. And, you know, I look back now and I was like, wow, I I was ready to settle for someone that wasn't really what I was becoming and what I wanted. And I didn't. And I might have. I don't know. I mean, I literally caught her and otherwise, who knows? But because the situation changed, I look back now and I would say to any single person, man, if you're walking with Jesus, and you're on that track. I, I've heard some preachers say it this way. You're running on that track. Look around and see who else is running at the same pace. Don't go look for somebody yeah. standing on the side or, you know, it's that, it's just like, man, you want the best, go for it. Don't settle for anything else. And, you know, who knows what God's going to do. And I look back now and I say, wow, it is amazing what God has been able to do. Our, our wedding prayer on our on our at the foot of our bed on our wedding night before we crawled in our wedding bed Ann and I got on our knees and I prayed this out loud God I pray and not for a good marriage a great marriage that will some someday impact the world for the kingdom of God and I look back now over 38 years and I'm like oh my gosh he's and that's great mm-hmm. that is just really great mm-hmm. well hey we're excited for your book uh, vertical marriage the one secret that will change your marriage uh, it's going to be on Amazon I see January 29th is when it's going to be launched yep, um, so go ahead yep add that to your cart but if you want to get to a marriage book quicker than that just check out timmuhoff.com <laughs> yeah go get to, it no. <laughs> I highly endorse it kidding. hey go not just buy the book but go to their website uh, davidannwilson.com and you've got blogs you've got resources it's awesome we love it uh, hey Dave you're such a great friend uh, of the center and uh, we look forward to seeing you in January as a speaker with the Family Life Speaker Team. So, hey, keep doing it. We're going to pray for your book. Pray that it has a great impact. I appreciate it. Love you guys. Thanks. All right. Tell Ann we said hi. All right. Same to you guys. Thanks, Dave. All right. 
So for all listeners, by the way, if you'd like to hear more on this topic and other topics, check out our website. We have a lot of resources on this very thing. We've got topics uh, that are connected to this, and you'll find some great things at cmr.biola.edu. So thanks for joining us. 